Okay, everyone, let's get started here. It's the last day of January, January 31st, 2023. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Mo Shwanunu. This is the place where we tell you just the facts. We read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. Jill Wagner, my partner in crime here, is a bit under the weather, so we wish her a speedy recovery and hope to have her back as soon as tomorrow. Hard to believe that we have nearly one month of 2023 under our belt here. Tomorrow is February 1st. So let's get started here with a preview of today's news. We'll have more from Memphis as additional police officers and emergency responders are being investigated and will potentially lose their jobs as the Tyree Nichols investigation continues. A couple major insurance companies have announced they will stop covering certain Hyundai and Kia vehicles because they're too easy to steal. I'll tell you all about it. President Biden has set a date for the end of the official COVID emergency nearly three years after it began. What that'll mean to you. We'll tell you what a judge told Johnson & Johnson on Monday as the company tries to avoid billions in lawsuits related to its baby powder and connection to cancer. They were trying a legal tactic called the Texas Two-Step. Speaking of legal news, there may be some new legal trouble for former President Trump as he gets his 2024 presidential bid started. I'll have an update on food prices as we look ahead to the Super Bowl in just about 12 days and why throwing a Super Bowl party this year will actually be cheaper than last year. I'll also have a breakdown for you on why chicken wing prices are down while egg prices are up. It doesn't seem to make sense, but some of you have been asking how that can be. And I'll have today's On This Day in History. It includes a huge step for the U.S. in the space race, as well as a couple TV show premieres that are near and dear to my fellow millennials. We're going to start in Memphis, where the police department there has confirmed that a sixth and seventh officer have been taken off duty in connection with the death of Tyree Nichols. You might remember that five officers have already been fired by the department and were charged last week with second-degree murder in connection with Nichols' death. A sixth officer, Preston Hemphill, has officially been placed now on administrative leave, according to the police. Hemphill deployed a taser on Nichols shortly after another officer pulled Nichols out of his vehicle on the night of January 7th. The Memphis PD confirmed yesterday that Officer Hemphill was actually placed on leave on the same day that the other five officers were suspended. Of course, those officers were later uh, indicted, put in jail. They're now out in bail and face the murder charges. One of the questions being asked here was, did race have anything to do with it? Officer Hemphill is white, while those other five officers charged in the incident are black. However, officials say that while Hemphill was present for that initial arrest and deployed the taser, he was not present at the second scene. That is where the officers caught up with Nichols after a foot chase and beat him severely. That second scene is central to the legal case. We reported yesterday about the tape reveal over the weekend that showed the five other police officers kicking Nichols repeatedly in the head, pepper spraying him, hitting him repeatedly with a baton, even as he showed no signs of fighting back. Nichols died in a hospital three days after the encounter. So Hemphill is the sixth officer. He is reportedly cooperating with officials in the investigation, unclear whether he will ever keep his job and whether he will eventually face charges. Late Monday, the police department also said that a seventh officer, they didn't reveal their name or race, has also been relieved of duty. It's also unclear what role this seventh officer played in the arrest, but in total here, seven Memphis officers have been disciplined in relation to the Tyree Nichols story. That comes as we also learned on Monday that the uh, city fired three members of the fire department. That's two EMTs plus a lieutenant who did not immediately help Nichols on the scene. Again, in the tape, you see Nichols lying there even as the first responders have arrived on the scene and nothing was done for several minutes. So 
three more firings from the fire department, seven cops disciplined, and then we have two other county sheriff's deputies that have been relieved of duty pending an investigation into their involvement in the encounter. So the uh, impact here continues to spread and the investigation continues. All right, another story we're watching here. Owners of certain Kia and Hyundai models got a warning on Monday that they may no longer be able to insure their cars. At least two major automotive insurers are refusing to protect those models because they lack basic anti-theft measures common in today's cars. Both State Farm and Progressive confirmed to CNN on Monday they are no longer writing policies for some Kia and Hyundai models that were manufactured between 2015 and 2019. Just a few months ago in September, the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety reported that Kia and Hyundai vehicle thefts are up nearly 300% over the past two years in a number of American cities. The report noted that the Hyundai and Kia vehicles being stolen lack electronic mobilizers. That equipment can hinder a thief's ability to steal a car by just breaking into the car and bypassing the ignition. Once the immobilizers are added to cars, vehicle thefts of Kias and Hyundais plunged. But the big issue here is that many of the Kia and Hyundai models manufactured between 2015 and 2019 did not have those mobilizers. In fact, 96% of vehicles by other manufacturers had these immobilizers in those years, while only 26%, one out of four, Kia and Hyundai models had them. Among the vehicles impacted here are the Kia Rio, Sportage, and the Hyundai Accent. One thing to keep in mind here, the vehicles that have the push-button start system, those have immobilizers, but not all models that have turnkey ignitions do. So as you assess whether you have this, uh, that's something to look at immediately. A lot of this started with a TikTok trend in the past couple of years that showed mainly young men stealing cars using a USB cable or screwdriver, and this exploded across social media. Media, many of these kids stealing the Hyundai and Kia cars using this tactic, then putting up videos online, essentially just taking them for joyrides or using them to commit other crimes before ditching them. Both automakers, both Kia and Hyundai, said they are developing security software for their vehicles that were not originally equipped with an immobilizer. Kia says it has begun notifying owners of the availability of this software, which will be provided at no charge. Meanwhile, Hyundai said its free software update will be available next month. Hyundai also said it's going to provide free steering wheel locks to some local police departments to give out to local residents impacted by this. Hyundai dealers are also selling and installing security kits for the vehicles. You can reach out to dealers to find out how much that costs. If you have a newer model, engine immobilizers are now standard starting in 2022 for all Kia and Hyundai models. All right, we have a lot more news to get to, but we have a couple new advertisers this week. Let's start with Apostrophe. I'd like to introduce you to our newest Mo News sponsor. Apostrophe is an online platform that connects you with an expert dermatology team that allows you to get customized treatment for your unique skin. It's very convenient. Essentially, Apostrophe offers virtual dermatology consultations, everything from acne to dark spots. As we know, sometimes getting a dermatology appointment can take a while. I know I have found that. Apostrophe is simple to use and can be done from home. You answer several questions, snap a few selfies, and then a board-certified dermatologist will create an initial customized treatment plan for you. And we have a special deal for the Mo News audience. You can get your first visit for only $5 at apostrophe.com slash monews. You can use the code here, monews, to get the discount, and you'll also receive a discount on medication. Again, to get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash monews, apostrophe, A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E dot com slash monews to get started. Use the monews code, and your first visit, only $5. 
I'm really excited about our next partner here, Blinkist. I have been using the Blinkist app for more than a year now as my way to get quick summaries of a book that I haven't gotten around to, but I'm looking to just get the digest of or get refreshers on books I read years ago, and I'm just looking to get a reminder of some quick bullet points. Essentially, Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, like in a blink, Blinkist, offers audio cliffs notes. It allows you to listen to a book summary in 15 minutes. I like to listen to them on my commutes or while working out. They offer more than 5,500 books and podcast summaries now, a range of topics, politics, communication, investing, parenting, leadership. You know, you often see those books, especially those self-improvement books, and you want to get around to them. Well, Blinkist provides a curated collection, expert-led guides, and again, the digest in just 15 minutes helps you grow a little bit every day. Right now, Blinkist has a special offer for the Mo News audience. Head over to Blinkist.com slash Mo News to start a seven-day free trial and get 25% off of a Blinkist premium membership. Again, that's Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T.com slash Mo News to get 25% off and a seven-day free trial. All right, let's get started here with today's speed read. The first one comes to us from the New York Times. A judge has said not so fast to Johnson & Johnson as they try to fight an onslaught of lawsuits. A federal appeals court in Philadelphia on Monday rejected Johnson & Johnson's use of the Chapter 11 bankruptcy filing that they attempted to use to freeze the 40,000 lawsuits the company is currently facing. These lawsuits claim a link between their talc products and cancer, claiming its baby powder and other products contain traces of asbestos that have been linked to ovarian cancer and other cancers. The judges' move here halts a strategy that the consumer health giant and a handful of other major companies have tried to use in recent years to sidestep jury trials. Essentially, what Johnson & Johnson tried to do here and other companies do is create a subsidiary and then have the lawsuits directed to that subsidiary uh, while having that subsidiary, that smaller company, claim bankruptcy. So Johnson & Johnson tried to uh, prevent these lawsuits, basically halt these injury lawsuits through this corporate restructuring strategy that has been called in legal circles the Texas Two-Step. Some companies have gotten away with this. It basically means that companies with solvent balance sheets, again, create these subsidiaries and then have them file for bankruptcy and essentially freeze injury lawsuits. Monday's decision is actually the first time a federal appeals court has disapproved of this bankruptcy strategy. Johnson & Johnson is now exposed once again to the talc-related cancer claims that have already cost the company's consumer business nearly $5 billion in recent years. There are estimates that the lawsuits could actually cost them up to $10 billion. So these lawsuits will continue. Meanwhile, Johnson & Johnson has stopped selling baby powder containing talc Globally this year, they say there's no demand for it anymore, and they're only selling powder made out of cornstarch. Johnson & Johnson is not the only company that has tried to use this tactic. 3M has tried a similar tactic. We'll see how that goes for them as it faces lawsuits about its military earplugs. All right, this next speed read comes to us from the AP. President Biden informed Congress on Monday that he will end the national emergencies for addressing COVID in just over three months on May 11th. The move to end the national emergency and public health emergency declarations formally now restructures the federal COVID response to treat the virus as an endemic threat to public health that can be managed through the agency's normal authorities versus pandemic, which has been a more urgent threat these last couple of years. Former President Trump first declared COVID a national emergency back in March 2020. Those emergencies were repeatedly extended by Trump and then Biden when he took office. So as of May, they will have lasted just over three years. 
So what does the end of the emergency mean to you? Well, a couple things. The cost of COVID vaccines are now expected to go way up once the government stops buying them. Pfizer has said it will now charge nearly $130 per dose. People with insurance could have some or most of it covered in network, depending on the insurer, less with out of network, but that's something to keep in mind. Free at-home COVID tests will also come to an end with the end of the emergency, and hospitals will no longer get extra payments for treating COVID patients from the federal government. Finally, it'll also mean that the development of further vaccines and treatments will no longer be under the direct management of the federal government, but be managed by the various pharma companies. Okay, now we have a quick legal update uh, from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution on two major legal issues former President Trump is facing. According to the paper, the former president could learn very soon whether he or any associates will be charged or cleared of wrongdoing in a Georgia investigation into his efforts to overturn the 2020 election. The Georgia case is one of several legal threats that are looming over him as he begins his 2024 presidential campaign. Last week, the prosecutor in the state of Georgia spoke to a judge on behalf of a grand jury investigation around Trump's conduct back in 2020. The investigation focuses in part on a phone call former President Trump made to Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, another Republican, back on January 2nd of 2021. In the call, and the audio of this has been released and been talked about for a couple years now, Trump asks Raffensperger to, quote, find him the votes needed to overturn his election loss in Georgia. Legal analysts believe Trump may have violated at least three Georgia criminal election laws with that phone call, conspiracy to commit election fraud, criminal solicitation to commit election fraud, and intentional interference with performance of election duties. You might recall that Raffensperger refused the president's request. It got contentious. Right now, it all falls on Fannie Willis. She's the Fulton County, Georgia district attorney, also happens to be a Democrat. She will ultimately decide whether to pursue charges against Trump or anyone else related to election interference. She says that the grand jury has completed its task and decisions are imminent. It'll be interesting to see how this all unfolds and how Trump defends himself here. One key thing his team may argue is that his discussions with the Georgia Secretary of State were constitutionally protected free speech. Uh, The question is, is whether it was free speech or whether it was conspiracy to commit fraud. That'll be what the Georgia case is all about. We also got word of other legal trouble for Trump. This is related to the 2016 presidential campaign. So the Manhattan District Attorney on Monday began presenting evidence to a grand jury about Trump's role in paying hush money to porn star Stormy Daniels during his 2016 presidential run. This presentation of evidence essentially lays the groundwork in New York for potential criminal charges against the former president in the coming months. The grand jury in New York was recently impaneled, and the beginning of witness testimony represents a clear signal that the DA, his name is Alvin Bragg, is nearing a decision on whether to charge Trump. Now, unlike the Georgia case, this one is much less of a sure thing. A conviction here is not a sure thing because the New York authorities will have to show that Trump and his company falsified records that hid the payout to Stormy Daniels from voters in the lead up to the 2016 election. And while it sounds bad, essentially falsifying records here in an election is a low-level felony charge, and it would be based here on a largely untested legal theory, according to the New York Times. And even if they're able to prove that the president was involved in falsifying records to hide the payout 
to Daniels, there is this. The case would rely on the testimony of Michael Cohen. You might remember him. He's Trump's former lawyer and fixer who actually made the payment to Stormy Daniels on behalf of Trump. But Cohen himself has already pleaded guilty to federal charges related to the hush money. So Trump's team would have a pretty easy time calling into question Cohen's character because Cohen served prison time. And Cohen has lied in the past. So there are a lot of questions there. The New York case is a little murkier. Either way, the former president, as he hits the campaign trail, he was in New Hampshire and South Carolina over the weekend to try to regain the White House, continues to face uh, a bit of legal drama here. All right, we have some sad news from the entertainment world. We learned on Monday that we've lost two actresses from classic TV shows. Cindy Williams, who played Shirley on the popular 70s sitcom Laverne and Shirley, died at the age of 75 yesterday. Her family put out a statement saying she died after a brief illness. You might remember Williams, who played the straight-laced Shirley to Penny Marshall's much more wacky Laverne. The comedy was about a pair of roommates that worked at a Milwaukee bottling factory in the 50s and 60s. You might remember the theme song as well, Shlemiel, Shlemazel. Actually, Jill and I were singing it on a podcast, I think as recently as last week. Uh, Our condolences go out to Cindy Williams' family and friends. We also learned yesterday that we lost Lisa Loring, who portrayed Wednesday Adams as a child actress in the original Adams Family TV series. She died at the age of 64 and has apparently been suffering from health issues for a number of years, most recently a stroke. Loring originally auditioned and won the role of Wednesday Adams when she was just five years old and became a fan favorite in one classic episode of The Adams Family. She teaches the family's butler, Lurch, how to dance. You may have seen the viral clip often remixed on social media with new music. The role of Wednesday Adams, of course, has been reinvented a number of times through the years on TV, in film, and on stage. The latest incarnation is a show called Wednesday. It's a Netflix series that has uh, become very popular starring Jenna Ortega. All right, finally, we have this from USA Today. Some good news as we all start to prep for our Super Bowl parties in just about 12 days. Super Bowl favorites like guacamole and chicken wings will apparently cost less this year. While inflation has actually driven up prices nearly 12% over the past year, some Super Bowl party staples will actually cost less this year. That's according to a new report from Wells Fargo. Avocados will be much less expensive this year thanks to a very strong crop. Wells Fargo notes that prices have dropped about 20% since last year's game. And with chicken supply at its highest levels since 2019, the price of chicken wings has dropped from about 338 a pound for last year's game down to now 265 a pound. I'll have more on chicken in a second here. Hamburger prices are slightly elevated from last year, but have fallen since July. Bacon and sirloin steak prices are also down. At the same time, some items that will be key to any Super Bowl party are up this year. Booze is up. Beer is about 11% price year compared with last year. Wine is up 4% and other spirits are up 2%. Soda prices are up 25% from last year. A two liter bottle now costs just over $2. And potato chip prices are not all that in a bag of chips, so to speak. I hope you guys don't kill me for the use of that expression. Between December 2021 and last month, potato chip prices are up 22%. It'll now cost you $6.28 for a 16 ounce bag. But I promise to get back to those chicken wing prices because many of you have rightfully been asking, how can chicken wing prices be down while egg prices are up? Well, thanks to our friends at CBS Tampa Bay 10, well, they looked into this and found that there are actually two different types of chickens, some known as broilers and some known as layers. The layers, as you may have guessed, are egg-laying hens, while broiler chickens, on the other hand, are primarily raised for meat. Broilers are often raised to be large and healthy with more breast meat for the consumer market. 
And that's what's key here. Broilers are not affected by the bird flu to the same extent as layers, largely because of their different lifespans. The agriculture site AgriFarming explains that broilers are raised for just 38 to 42 days before they're slaughtered for consumption. Meanwhile, the layer chickens reach maturity around 20 weeks and begin laying eggs around 72 weeks. So the broilers are only around for six or seven weeks, but the layers are around again between 20 weeks to 72 weeks. So because they're around longer, they're much more susceptible to the bird flu, which is the reason we're seeing these increased egg prices. And at the same time, according to the USDA, monthly broiler production is also up, which is likely contributing to the price drop at the grocery store. So I hope that breakdown helps clear it all up for you. All right, before we go, as always, we're going to do On This Day in History, a couple birthday mentions here. A happy 42nd birthday to Justin Timberlake. Actress Kerry Washington, a.k.a. Olivia Pope, is 46 today, and Minnie Driver is 53. Also, a happy birthday to baseball pitching great Nolan Ryan, who is 76 today. All right, a couple major items in history. On this day, 158 years ago, the 13th Amendment was passed by the U.S. Congress, January 31st, 1865, abolishing slavery in the United States. The Civil War would end just a few months later. On this day, 93 years ago, in 1930, 3M began marketing scotch tape for the first time. Though they did it without the dispenser, the dispenser would come in about two years later in 1932. And 65 years ago today, Explorer 1 became the first successfully launched satellite by the U.S. sent into space on January 31st, 1958, though it did come four months after the Russians launched Sputnik. Explorer 1's success marked the beginning of the U.S. space age, but at the time, the Russians were repeatedly beating the U.S. to first in space, the first satellite, the first animal in space, the first person in space, the first woman in space. Uh, the first probe to the moon that finally led JFK to announce the U.S. would be the first to land a person on the moon, and the U.S. was finally able to beat the Russians to something in space when the U.S. finally lands man on the moon in July of 1969. Okay, finally, a couple TV shows that premiered on this day. 35 years ago, The Wonder Years premiered on ABC uh, on January 31st, 1988. Many of us remember watching the uh, ongoing saga of Kevin Arnold and Winnie Cooper. There's, of course, the most recent Wonder Years remake that is streaming on one of those services. And then one more TV show that premiered today on January 31st, 1999, 24 years ago, The Family Guy premiered on Fox. With that, I want to thank you for listening to the Mo News podcast. Want to wish Jill Wagner, my co-host here, a very quick recovery. Hopefully she is back tomorrow for tomorrow's show. Before you go, please follow or subscribe to the show on whatever app you're listening to us on. It ensures you don't miss a single episode. We have a special second edition for you today. It is my conversation with Jill Schlesinger, the CBS News business analyst who's out with a new book on pivoting your career with some incredible financial advice on what to do in the workplace as well as what to do with your personal finances. Again, you can catch that later today. And if you follow or subscribe to the show right now, it'll ensure you don't miss it. It'll just download it directly. Also a reminder to review us in the App Store. It ensures we can continue to grow this podcast. If you take a quick moment to do that, especially on Apple or Spotify, we'd be so grateful to you. And don't forget to follow us over on Instagram on the Mo News account at Mosh at M-O-S-H-E-H. I'll see everyone here later today for our second edition and back here tomorrow for the daily edition.